You're listening to Seahawks Stories, taking you behind the scenes with your favorite Seahawks. Setbacks behind Zorn, who's back to pass. Has time, looks for the left sideline, throws a bomb down there. He's got a man in front. He makes the grab. It's Rabel at the 30, down to the 20. They'll never get him. He scores. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. And Zorn laid it in perfectly to Rabel, who goes in to score on an 80-yard pass and run play. Now, here's your host, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, and Seahawks legend, Jim Zorn. Raves, was that your only play? Well, I, I was just going to say, Mike is, you know, Mike Holmgren is with us for a, a second go around here. We've already done one part to his interview. We've got a second time with him now. And I think I was almost kind of reading your mind like, okay, is there another play that we can that we can air of you? Something, anything, <laughs> yeah. like a little six yard out, anything? Well, I, I had heard about your, you were more of a blocker. That, uh, and, that a, and I cleared out a lot. Yeah. I would be that guy who'd run that post that you weren't supposed to throw. Yeah. We talked about it in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. I was that guy running down there to get that safety out of the way. Not so only the Steve, safety, but they had to double you. Well, they had to double cover you, so you took two guys with you, well, and everyone else caught passes. And Steve caught. Hey, he's in the Hall of Fame for crying out loud. <laughs> I, I, this is funny now. Uh, the other day, uh, we had our Thanksgiving game right here, uh, and we were talking about Thanksgiving games. And I remembered we played in 1980 in Dallas. On Thanksgiving Day. I'll never forget the game. It was like the third game in 11 days, and we were just beat up. Uh, And there's a whole lot of stories involved in that. But the way that game started was they were going to roll up to Steve's side. And so they had the corner roll up in his face, safety over the top. So he's basically getting double coverage. And my side, the cornerback, was just dropping off like 8, 10, 12 yards. We threw about three out routes until they finally said, well, listen, I guess we can't do just let him stand out there. So we're going to have to start. So they, they mixed it up a little more. They rolled up. I never caught another pass the rest of the day. <laughs> the rest of the day. But uh, it was it was kind of funny. I, for a moment there, I, I saw what Steve would be up against every week. Uh, yeah. And that is, you know, coverages rolled up, linebackers rolling, getting outside and yeah. getting up underneath him. He I mean, would catch... Well, some games he would catch twelve balls, oh, it's and the next game he'd catch two. Yeah, really, because they'd take they would just double him, and we had to move him around to get him try to get him singled and yeah. things like motion helped. And mm-hmm. you know, it was funny because in the in the previous episode, Jim was talking about how disciplined the quarterback has to be, and it's all rhythm and right. timing. If memory serves me correctly, he moved around a little bit, didn't he? Would you be talk, yeah. talk about that a little bit? Well, our, our whole offense, uh, after about the second year, I think, our offense was based on the sprint draw. And because Jim was so good at rolling out of the pocket, he was a left-hander, so he could throw to his left side. Uh, the ball, contrary to what people say, has a different spin on it. And I know because, you know, I'm looking at it, and all of a sudden it's kind of coming down in a different way. But that was part of the deal. Um, and he And Sherman Smith was so good. Sherman was our running back. And so Sherman would get the either get that deep handoff on the sprint draw or the play fake to him, and then Jim rolls out. And we based a lot of our offense off of that. And then we could run all kinds of route combinations behind it. And uh, but to give that defense the same look, and he was a he was amazing. I mean, there was there, uh, every so often on on um, uh, what's it called now? It's called X. I think it was at one time Twitter. But it's called X. I, I can't. Why keep, do they do that? I, I, I know. know. Okay. They're, it's it's just dumb. But uh, and I'm not. I truly am not smart enough to keep up with that stuff. But every so often, there are these things will pop up, and um, somebody put on there uh, uh, an opening to like a Monday night game that mm. uh, that Howard Cosell and Don Meredith and all those guys were on, 
And so they were showing highlights and they were talking about it. And it just reminded me how how skilled Jim was in getting outside, rolling out. And he'd pull it down and run it. I, there were a couple of those highlights I remember. You'd take off and run for 30, 40 yards. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you were a speed demon or anything, but you just you just knew how to do that. You know, on on this, on that action that he's talking about, would you set up afterward or would you keep going? We had both. I, I could set up. I could go. I could give the ball. I could keep the ball. And I could run naked. I could run. Go keep, the other way. Cope the, go the other way. Huh. And I made. I told Jerry when we first started that series, I said, I don't want you to call any play to my left hand. I just want you to call the play. And because I'm going to show you in practice and in games that I can actually throw as well to my right, right. as I could to my left. I made myself do that because I didn't want him to, you know, always have to lean towards the left mm-hmm. uh, and, and the way I was running. So so we did that. And one of the best passes I threw was against um, the De- uh, the Denver Broncos one year. I We beat, you know, and, the, and you could run deeper patterns because, you know, the the fake draw and, and, and Jerry wouldn't let me come towards the line of scrimmage because he said, you have from your fake all the way to the sideline. You've, you know, we're going to run 23-yard routes. Awesome, you know. And we ate up a lot of yardage yeah. running 20, 23-yard routes. How, how important for you as a head coach to have coaches like Jim? And I, I'm, I'm thinking of your staff, and you had a bunch of guys who were really terrific football players as well as being teachers. But how important for those guys that, that really had been there at the NFL level and, and done well? I think it's everything. Yeah. You know, in, in Jim's case, you know, he Matt knew him. The, coach, the other quarterbacks knew him knew what he had done, mm-hmm. before he says anything in the room, they, there's a respect there mm-hmm. just from who he was, who, what he did. Okay, and then you couple it with, okay, he's a good teacher. He can show me. Uh, <laughs> he, he's a good person. He, he, he relates to me. That's what you need, and mm-hmm. that's what he was. And, and I was fortunate that way because I had guys on my staff mm-hmm. who were good players. But th- that in itself, because you see it now, uh, there are a lot that you you see it now, uh, all over, and I I'm, I'm the old man so but I've seen it the last few years. You get guys in there that it's not automatic. That doesn't make you necessarily a great coach. Mm-hmm. You know you have to be able to communicate. You're not just a yeller and a screamer. You, you know you you have to be able to relate to the player, and um, like I said before, I, I was uh, very fortunate to have guys. But that, that, that was one of Jim's strengths, I think. Mm-hmm. And I loved it when he said that uh, he would step in when uh, a mistake would happen. You'd see it or something was slow, but he was always there. And, and he, uh, he saw it from the quarterback perspective. We, we, we're not going to be able to complete this pass if you run the route this slow or this way. Or, you know, we need, you know, you can't whiff mm-hmm. uh, or we're scrambling. And... Uh, I thought he did a really good job of paying attention during practice to where, you know, not many things were left to. And if he didn't catch it uh, at that moment, he would catch it on video. Hey, what happened there? You know, (laughs) know, and uh, there was a lot of questions and answers uh, along the way. And Jim's when he mentioned the fact that he's left handed and he was great going to his left. But he told the guy called. Call him anywhere. I go, I go to my right. I can throw the same way. I was reminded, 
meaning back to Brett Favre for just a second, mm-hmm. that we had a goal line play, and Jim remembers it, sprint right option. We did it with the 49ers. Jerry Rice must have caught, I don't know how many touchdowns on that. Dwight Clark on the famous catch. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was sprint right option. So Steve Mariucci was on our staff, a great coach, and he goes, let's run it to the left. And it's a fast thing. you got to come out and bang. you got to turn your shoulder. There's a way to do that if you're right-handed. Some guys can do it. Some guys can't. Brett Favre, no, that didn't work so well. <coughs> so I go, no, we can't go. Come on. And all the coach go, we got to try it because we're going right-handed all the time. All of a sudden, okay, we called it in practice. He came out, threw it behind the receiver by five yards, and you're only you're not that far away. No, he couldn't. Right. I said, "Okay, you all seen it? I never want to see that play run again. Don't even talk to me about it." You know, so to have there, a quarterback that can go do yeah. both of these, that'd be great. Yeah. There's a there was a play, and when he's talking about you know the quarterback's arm right-handed, oh, when you get in a three by one formation. And in the NFL, Mike used to always say, hey, it doesn't matter. We're playing from the middle of the field. Because when he was coaching in college, and I, when I was in coach, in college, you know, the, the hashes are right. really wide. And there really is a, uh, a way to spread people out and not get bunched in. Well, on the right hash, I'm still thinking we need to spread people out. So we're on the right hash. And so Mike calls this play we had. It was, it was four verticals called Dancer. And... He calls the formation into the boundary. In the, the three receivers are into the boundary. I go, Mike, Mike, Mike. And I'm on the phone with him. Mike, you just called it into the boundary. Flip it over. Jim, be quiet. <laughs> he calls it into the boundary. Matt drops back. And, you know, the three receivers are too, they're, they're too close to each other. Matt throws a touchdown pass from about the 45-yard line. And I, you know, from that point on, I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> When it came to how he was, where he was going to call, how he was going to call the play, because he proved to me that you know in the NFL, the the you know there is no boundary, the boundary side. We you know we think there there is, and we want sometimes you do want to spread people out, right? But he didn't care. He wanted to throw to Matt's arm side, and it didn't matter to him. And maybe he saw uh, thought of coverage uh, into the boundary that. You know, it didn't scare him, and he called it, and it was a touchdown. Well, shut it, me up. And as this relates to our communication during the game, uh, I had a rule that Haskell was upstairs, Jim was upstairs. You know, coaches upstairs, coaches on the field. Okay, but the coaches upstairs had you know Jim was looking at coverage. He was he was looking at a lot of stuff, and then I expected him to give information to Gill. So then at one point when the defense is going on, then I can get gather all the information together and kind of try perhaps call the game better. Uh, but I didn't want to hear his voice. <laughs> I said, I, and I tell him, I said, Gil's the only one I want to hear. If you have something to say, say it to him. Because I turn on, I flip on the defensive side, and it was like chaos. They're all talking about, ah, nah, nah, that's all crazy. I said, how do they get anything done? But Jim, every once in a while, he, he couldn't help it. Mike, 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 Jim, Jim, you know the rules. Go back to your room. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Oh, good. It was really fun. There was, um, so you came into Seattle here in 99, I believe, right? Uh, and didn't take long. I remember one of the first things you said was, we're not here just to make like 
We're not here to make the playoffs this year. We're not. We're here to win over time. We're here to make the try to make a championship run every single season. And it didn't take all that long, and there you are. And we're standing in Detroit, and we're getting set to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, did you have uh, a real sense for how big a deal that was for Seattle? I mean, you'd been through it twice with Green Bay. But for Seattle, we had never had anything quite like that being in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was uh, It was not only for Seattle, but for me and for, for yeah. our, our staff. And we'd worked so hard to get there. Mm. And uh, I remember Peter King asking me, do you feel, because it took us, you know, it took us seven years, took us a while to get there. But as we were getting better, um, he goes, do you feel vindicated now? Because, you know, I took some heat early on. And I didn't. I just was happy. I was, I was saying they worked hard. I loved our team. You know, I, I thought we, had, we played hard all year. We had a great championship game. And to be there, to be there was special. Uh, it was funny. You know, you, t- you talk about going into a new place. And Jim experienced this in Washington. You go in there and you analyze, you try to analyze your team. What do I have? And uh, I did that here. And then a couple years later, I mean, I mean, Cortez Kennedy was around. Great person. Great football player. He came up and, and apologized to me. He was, he goes, I'm like, I'm sorry. I go, what are you sorry about? Well, when I came in, there were guys that had been here a while. And, you know, they're, they're not going to, you have a different coach than the previous coach or your different rules and mm-hmm. whatever. And not everybody bought in. I know that. And so little by little, it, it takes some time to then get the team just the way you want it so you have a shot at the Super Bowl. And Cortez, bless his heart, I mean, he was one of the best players we had. But I remember that when we played Buffalo in the last game of the year, I think my second year, and they killed us, and our guys would pack the bags. They didn't even play. And that, that's what he was, that he was a, a, apologizing for that. And so it takes a while. It, it takes a little while to get everyone believing. Mm-hmm. And so when we got to Detroit, that was one of the great things about that team. They all went through that, and they, they thought, okay, here we go. We got a shot. Mm-hmm. I remember, I don't know if you do, Jim, after our, our first season, 76, I think we're flying back from Philly. I think we played our last game of my rookie year in Philly. And we're coming back, and Jack, unlike Mike who sat in the front and had the seat beside him all the time that was empty, Jack sat in the back. With the coaches and the staff were back there. The the oldest players sat in the front hmm. and then worked their way back. So we were still young players, so we were back behind the curtain and, and all that. So on the flight back, Jack was bringing individuals back to his seat, back there in the back. And, and like you said, when somebody sits down next to you, usually they're in trouble for something. Well, one of the guys comes up, and I think it was Fergie, came up and grabbed me, and he says, hey, uh, Jack wants to see you in the back. I thought, oh, my God, what? I'm done. My career's lasted one year. It wasn't a very good year except for that touchdown pass you threw me in Minnesota. <laughs> and I said, uh, that's it. We're, we're all done. Now I can go on with my life's work. And so he brings me back there, and, you know, we're talking about stuff. And he finally says, he says, look up there. Look all the way up to the front of the plane. And I said, well, okay, yeah. He said, those guys won't be here. 
He said, those guys, they're, they're the veterans. They're the, many of them were in the allocation. And I had several of those players before that game in Philly say, hey, you know, this is the last game. Don't get hurt. Don't bust a grape. Uh, just, you know, let's, right. let's get home. Right. And, and then you got the offseason. And Jack said, I know that. He said, they're not going to be here. But he said, that core, you guys, you and Z, and that's when he had his famous saying to me. He said, you catch the ball just as well as large and just not as often. And I thought, well, that's okay. I think that's a backhanded comment, but okay, a compliment. But um, coaches see that. They, they understand, and mm-hmm. they know the guys, that, that core group that you know you, you got to have to build around. Yeah, I think it's true. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the pleasures, one of the joys of coaching. If you can ever get to that point where mm-hmm. you, you're all, you're all, you feel this and you know this, you're all in it together. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no outliers. And so that's not easy. That's, that's, that's a challenge. That's the challenge you have. But uh, one quick story. Uh, I have a bigger challenge. This is off the subject. Uh, we're f- flying somewhere in, in Seattle. We're going on a trip. And uh, I had a thing, uh, you know, a lot of long trips. I, I like to have a good meal. And we were having, and, and I like that every once in a while, I shoot back to Thanksgiving. I like turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, the whole deal, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I could sleep, do whatever. This was a they, football trip. A football trip. Okay. They give me the, pl- they, he, they, they give me this, the platter, and I don't, I'm not quite sure what it is. <laughs> are, are we coming or going? We're going. <laughs> okay, we're going. We're, uh, we're ve- flying veg- there. Vegetables and... <laughs> Sushi and <laughs> and I had never had any of that. And I go, what in the world? I so I call up Sam Ramston, who's he's now a big shot in, in the yeah. he was my trainer. And he sat in the seat you don't want to sit in. Right. And I said, Hey, what is this? <laughs> I point to my plate and he goes, Well, you know, we, we we've been talking to people about a healthier, you know, way to go here and this is really good energy uh-huh. stuff. I said, all right, <laughs> if you ever decide to change food again on this plane, it goes through me first. Uh-uh. Is that clear? Yes, but I said, no, 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 no buts, no buts. Now, would someone get me a cheeseburger or something? Is there? Is it possible? <laughs> oh, gee. You know, that's uh, that was a. We're on the way to play a, a, a team in the National Football League, but we have to have the food right, and that is that is kind of the uh, necessary. Those are the necessary details of a head football coach. It's not so much. Uh, well, for Mike, it was hey, something's different, yeah. right? And uh, you better you better run it through the head coach because any little changes like any change like that. Uh, you get you get nervous about wh- what what is going to happen, and you're not you know you don't know how to answer it. Uh, eventually, Mike was going to have to answer what kind of food do we have on the plane. Well, if, right? if, if, or if what, it affects you as yeah. a head coach, it's probably going to affect the players. They're going to look at oh, it yeah. too and say, "What? what the well, hell that's is what this? I thought. I guess I guess they were the sushi group. I wasn't, <laughs> so I guess I would have gotten some pushback on that. But no, it was. I think all the little details. I, I remember. Yeah. I remember in Green Bay, uh, you know, our, our, our meeting on Saturday night, Saturday night, we'd have a meeting. Then we'd go in and have, uh, you know, a, a 
sandwiches, cheeseburgers, whatever, soup, you know, salads. It was a long table of stuff, and guys could have a nice something to eat before they went to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, in Green Bay, when I got there, talking about changing the culture, there was a gentleman who was the financial guy, controller. You know, Green Bay was run a little differently. There's no right. owner. Yeah. So he would stand by the big bowl of soup, because I, I like soup. There was a big bowl of soup there, and he would stand by and see how many players got a bowl of soup. And then if it wasn't financially worth it, he'd take soup off the menu. <laughs> and I go, the next time we're there, there's no soup. I go, where's the soup? Well, last week we only had 13 players have soup and it cost this amount. I go, stop. <laughs> He'd been there forever. I go, you will put on the table what I want. That's how we're going to do this, okay? But I said, no, 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 no. You know, and so you, you have to, these, all these little weird things come up. Aside from coaching the football, which you really love to do, then there's a lot of little weird things, you know? <laughs> how did yeah. it all go? First of all, he became a head coach yeah. with Washington. Yes. Did you, uh, what kind of advice did you give him, if any, uh, if you had an opportunity to? Did you, considering, I don't know, considering the organization has been through some tough times, did you maybe advise him, hey, Jim, this might not be the best place for you, or no? No, I, I you know, Jim, Jim had had coached a long time, and so he knew. But I did advise, give some advice to Dan Snyder, uh, you know, the owner of the Redskins. He So... Uh, you know, I recommended Jim for the. He talked to me, and I recommended Jim for the job. And and then, as the thing was going, uh, we we talk, and he was in it, and you know, he got a good shot. I'm in Hawaii with Kathy, and I get a phone call, and it's Stan Snyder. He goes, "I hired your boy." I go, "Who? What?" <laughs> yeah, Zorn. I'm hiring Zorn as the head coach. I said, "Way to go." That's great. He'll do a great job for you. And honest to goodness, he goes, I hope so. You know, I go, no, 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 there's no hoping. He's going to get this thing done. But i got to tell you something, because I knew Dan Snyder. We had had a little tete-a-tete earlier in my career. And I said, instead of hurting him, you've got to help him. You're the owner. You've got to help him be good. What do you mean? And he got, got you know, as he would. I said, you've had coaches. You've had, you fire coaches every two years. It's not working. He's a good man. He's a good coach. Help him. Don't hurt him. Okay. You know, and then that was it. But then listening to Jim and his time there, and it was an interesting time for him, certainly. But it was, it was a tough organization. I, I'll let you speak to it. But it was, I think from afar, I don't know how they ran it, but it was a tough organization for a coach. And it can be. You can go in a, you can go in a place that is going to be hard, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, not everyone's the same. Not every organization's the same. And I and I had, uh, you know, I was I, I felt like I was ready to be the head coach mm-hmm. of the Redskins, and uh, I would say this that my rule of thumb was if I didn't have the answer, if I didn't really know, I was going to revert to what would Mike do, what would Mike mm-hmm. do in this situation, what would he, how would he fashion this, and so um, you know I had a lot of things that are you know already in my mind how how we could win, but uh, when I when I struggled with, I just said, well, it worked for Mike. And Mike had developed a, the plans over the years. And I'm sure he, 
I didn't even, I didn't know how many plans he had thrown out or how many thoughts he had thrown out, but I did know the ones that he, he hung his hat on. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that I tried to hang my hat on when I didn't really have the answer. And a lot of the things were already there. There are certain things that, that have to happen, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, quite a thrill to be, uh, actually making the decision uh, on the direction of a team to try to build a championship team. Right. Yeah, that was a thrill, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. I felt like I was in my element. Yeah. You know, but bo- you guys know this, that a successful franchise, you have a coach and you have a general manager typically and or a president and then maybe an owner, an owner. Everyone's just kept, except Green Bay. If that group of people don't aren't shooting, aren't rowing the boat in the same direction, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard enough to to win the game, but if you go into a situation where, okay, the general manager or the the president is is, I wouldn't do that. Or he's telling the owner, you know, he he messed up. You know, if you get a, a situation like that, it's really really hard. To win in this league, yeah. I've seen it too many organizations. And I would say to add to that, Mike always had wanted a healthy organization. You know, up front, this is how we're going to do it, and that's how we did it. There was no little side deals going on, and uh, that that was one of the things that I realized. Uh, you know, if there was going to ever be a struggle, it was because somebody took their own initiative to do something different than the direction that we were going in. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that happens, it, 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 Mike handled it right up front right now. I mean, he didn't he didn't wait for the offseason mm-hmm. to clean things up. He was handling things as they – if they ever came. Right. But it was a really healthy situation to be here, the healthiest organization that I'd ever been a part of. And I'd been in some dysfunction uh, – Beyond you know, beyond coaching here in Seattle, um, yeah, I was in, I was in some interesting situations. Uh, d- did you think that? Uh, well, when it came to an end, uh, did you think? Well, that's it. Now I guess my my opportunity is is gone. Uh, you know, this may be my my only chance uh, to be a head coach. And and how how was that? You you actually were able to walk away from this opportunity here, and you went off to Cleveland and became president of the, of the organization. But how, how difficult yeah, was that? Uh, it was difficult, and I still feel that I have unfinished business. You mm-hmm. know, I, 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 you know I, I feel like I should be able to, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't get bad just because uh, I, I, you know, I got let go from, from that particular right. team. And so, um, uh, but I did go to a couple other teams that had some dysfunction, yeah. uh, and that was that made it even more difficult uh, to be thought of, of of a guy that had some uh, steadiness, some some uh, innovative stuff, or some re- you know some stuff that could work. Yeah, it was that that was tough. So I still feel that way. Yeah, you know, yeah. in 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 the football world, right. unfinished business. You know, it's it's funny that you you. People ask me on occasion, do you, uh, what are the good things, what are the bad things, what do you remember, those types of things. And um, our Super Bowl against Pittsburgh, it's been a long time since we played that game. You know? mm-hmm. And for the most part, 
Yeah, it's it's you know, and then every once in a while, someone will talk. Oh, I think the officials. I'll meet some guy in the airport, and somewhere I'll come up and he goes, you know, <laughs> I don't think they handle it right. You you got a raw deal. Like, what are you talking about? The Super Bowl in Pittsburgh. I said, yeah. Uh, but, but I'm over that now. Um, but I'm glad you brought it up because now I'm going to go rip apart my yeah. <laughs> the book I was reading. You know, yeah. so you don't you don't forget stuff. And and if you're if you have a lot of pride and 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 feel good about how you teach, how you coach, mm. and and uh, confidence in your ability to get it done, mm. and then you get the feeling like I'm not. They're not letting me. For what, however that comes down, they're not yeah. letting me. And you f- try and fight through it, fight through it, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I made this statement to, our, you know, here near the end. There were a couple times near the end that, and I've told this to people. It's it's hard enough to win the game, the battle on the field. That's it's that's hard, and you work hard. If you're also fighting that battles in the building, it's mm. almost too much. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, he's, he's telling the truth. Yeah. It, it it one of the things it does is it shows us the remarkable relationship between Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Absolutely. Two guys who have made it work now. This is what 14 years, I guess, mm-hmm. uh and, and from the draft through the free agency and all that kind of stuff. But we also don't see that kind of longevity anymore in this league. I mean, on both sides, you know, general managers, coaches, coaches get fired after a year less than a season. Now. Crazy. It's crazy, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and that's not fair at all. No, and uh, you know, and and actually firing people on your staff. Yeah. You know, I I uh, uh, I hired people. They moved their families from point A to come here. I always said, uh, it's my obligation to make that work. I brought them here, mm-hmm. and if, if something if they're not, then you work with that person. And then try and fix it, instead of just saying, the only the only group that I fired that I fired you know Steve Sidwell and that defensive staff, mm-hmm. and Steve came in to me and said, Mike, you got to let me go, I, I'm not helping you, and he was one of my I loved him, but it was true it was there was a breakdown defensively and he came in and said, I said Steve he goes no no no, you, you know, it's okay, mm-hmm. you got to let me go. Mm. And so that otherwise, otherwise, I, I, I didn't, I didn't do that. But you, you see other coaches that have done that with their staffs. Mm-hmm. They're always turning people over, um, and then now, guys getting fired without even finishing a year. Yeah. Come on, I mean, you know, toughest decision you ever had to make as a coach. Oh boy. Generally about a, a probably about a player that it was time to let go or something like that maybe yeah um there were there was a few of them so i always thought because of how i reacted when they i got cut mm-hmm. you know uh i was with the cardinals and and i i really had a good training camp and i said i'm gonna make this finally make make a team make pros and i saw the coach coming towards me after our last practice, the final cutdown day was that day, and I go, and I ran into the, I ran into the training room. I ran away from him, <laughs> and he started coming to the training room. I ran in the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, he chased me around. He didn't run, but he had to find me to tell me I was cut. 
And so, so whenever I had to do that with a player that I knew had given me everything, mm-hmm. that was hard. Mm. So that was that was the least favorite part of my job. Yeah. Necessary, and the players typically were were they understood, but it was still hard. Yeah, yeah. Th- those guys, um, they come in young, and yeah. th- you know, in many cases, this is their dream, uh, and this is in many cases kind of all they have. This is what they've hung their their young adult life on is to try to make it in the National Football League, and somebody has to make that call. And, and unfortunately, along with all of the accolades of being a, a head coach for both of you guys uh, and being successful at what you do comes that difficult decision where you're deciding somebody's future, quite frankly. Right. And well, it, it must it, be difficult. It, it is hard, but sometimes they don't see, the player doesn't see that they were just, they were just glad to be there. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're cutting them, and they, don't, they can't believe it, but they're, they're not... Up, they're not really going in the same direction as as you were going. The hard part, and I think Mike Mike would say it, is he gave everything he had. He knew uh, that he he was going to be a, a great addition to this team, and then you had to you had to let him go uh, when he had that right attitude. That those are the guys you're looking for too. Mm-hmm. That will say, man, I want to do any. I'm going to do everything I can do to help us. Uh, win on this team or help help us, you know, let me be a part of this team. And then you let them go. That's the harder part. The guys that are just hanger, you know, the the guys that are just, uh, they're, uh, they don't work hard enough to be a pro at that time. And the players know it. Yeah. You know, they, they can see it. Both you guys, two California kids, right? Yeah. Two California guys. You come up here, you as a player, and then in your coaching career, Mike, you come up here as a coach. And for the most part, yes, gone away to different places and, and worked and coached and did all those things. And you end up coming back up here. And and a goodly deal of your families are, are here as well. What's that all about? Well, it's a great place to live. I, I tell people now that they didn't fire me so I could stay in the city. You know? So, but it, um, you know, and we're fortunate because, well, my kids are here. My grandkids are here in the area. And so, and, and the people that, I remember we get, we draft players from Florida or Alabama or someplace. And, and Seattle, I talked to them on the phone, Seattle. And honest to goodness, I think some of them, you look at a map and they say Seattle's there. And they go, oh my goodness. That's, <laughs> no, that's Alaska. No, that's Seattle. Yeah. You know, and so. But then when you get up here, even for a California kid, you know, well, it will rains a lot. I hear people down there tell me all the summer, it rains a lot. I said, it's good. We keep the riffraff. We, we keep the people out of there. You know, they don't like the rain. No, but it's the trees, the water, the people. Um, right. You fall in love with the place, yeah. I think. And so, you know, I never, I never thought about coaching in Seattle or Seattle very much. But then you get to know the the place, and it, it's been good for me. And the people were great to us, and uh, our family. And, and I'm fortunate to have my kids up here now. Z, you're always going to be Jim Zorn, that first quarterback of mm-hmm. the Seattle Seahawks franchise. That's, I mean, that's really something to hang your hat on. You know, Yoda, all that he did, Hall of Fame deserves it all. Great credit and all that. There's only one first quarterback of a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you carried that 
all these years with you. And what's it meant to you, the family? They're all up here as well. Yeah, I think in the beginning, and you can you can relate to this, the fans were so great they? to us. Still are, obviously, but... Uh, and, and I think it's the it's the attitude of the twelfth, the twelves that make it really special. Or you know they they remember us mm-hmm. for what you know for whatever reason. And uh, I'm I don't know how many young people know that you were a star wide receiver for the Seahawks unless you say it every every time you go you get on the radio. What? Hey, remember me? <laughs> yeah. But you don't. And, no. and yet you are you're, you're Steve Rabel. I think you could say the same thing. They think of you, and they think synonymous uh, Seattle Seahawks. But I would say it's the the fans that uh, we used to walk in. Yeah, this with is, this is great. We Mike. had the Kingdom. Well, when we came in to the parking lot, we just parked with the fans. You know, hey, how's it going? Uh, Jim, hey, have a great game. Yeah, hey, thanks. And you're just walking in with the fans. Uh, do you have your ticket? No, I'm one of the players. Oh, okay. You know, go. We didn't go even have the closest spots to the gate to get into the stadium. No. Those were like for season ticket holders. We parked out in that lot <laughs> yeah, back there, and here the we side, come, four yeah. or five of us walking in. And people just walk in with us, and yeah. it was it was great. Hey, I hope you play well great. today. Yeah, well, we do too. Yeah. Well, I, I was spoiled because yeah. – Obviously, I had my own spot, and I had a police escort to the game and all that stuff. And then when I broadcast games there, yeah, I'm in the I'm out in the North Forty <laughs> right. parking. Exactly. I go, what happened to my parking spot? <laughs> yeah. What happened? I come over here to do this thing today, just to kind of where do I park? There's thousands of cars there. I got to you know. Yeah. I remember we we did a game at the L.A. Coliseum, you and I, and uh, we uh, we we had to park way the hell away from that kind of entrance where you got up to the, the press box there, the older press box. At, uh, and I remember us schlepping across the parking lot, and I thought, yeah, I'm watching Mike. I said, this is, this is not what Mike has, has no, you get, had over the years. You get spoiled. Boy, do you get spoiled. <laughs> that bus would drop us off right there at the top of that yeah. tunnel, and you just get right in, and you're in the front seat of the bus. And when you're when you sit down, you point, and here we go. No, I know. I would say this that and today, you know, the players have a different way to park, and yeah. you know, you know uh, coaches have a different way to to do it. There's a little more, everything's secured and private, and all that kind of stuff. But the fans still appreciate the Hawks much the same way as they did when when we played. Yeah, it's 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 a different, you know, it's a different. They used to put up posters. And they might put a little color, uh, you know, they might wear Seahawk colors, but not full outfits yeah. and, and uh, alter egos. Face right? There's a, a lot of that. alter egos out there <laughs> today. And they are just as uh, enthusiastic about the Hawks as the fans were when we played. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. You can see it in their faces. Do you, do you get to many games, Mike? No, I don't. I really don't. I, I, and I'll tell you, one of the things is uh, – I love the team. I watch it on television. I, I, I got to talk about it during the week. But um, the radio station that I work for, they had a uh, uh, a game where you had they invited donor big money people. They wanted me there mm-hmm. to say hello to people. Mm-hmm. So Kathy and I went. So we're in a box. It was the first time I had been in a box or come back since I coached. It was a few years, and so I'm in the box. I'm talking to people, and I hear this big roar, and Pete coming up. Pete, Pete is coming out on the field. 
and there people are going crazy. And then I go, I go to Kathy. I go, they never did that for me. <laughs> she goes, yes, they did. Uh-huh. Yes, they did. I go, they did. I'd walk. I don't know where I was when I'd walk out on the field, but I was, I was, I was focused, and I didn't even hear any of that stuff. So, but then I, I realized what I realized is that I can be in one of those boxes, luxury, nice box, food, and all that stuff, and you're, you're watching the game. But I so much more enjoyed being down on the field. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that it. Uh, uh, Someone else can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just I can watch it at yeah. home. It was great, a great moment last year when both you and Matthew went in, and then Sean later uh, in the season mm-hmm. went into the Ring of Honor. And so um, I get the honor of being the guy down there on stage to kind of introduce you guys, and, and uh, it, it was just such a treat. I mean, going back to the first days, I was there when Pete was inducted mm-hmm. uh, into the Ring of Honor two days before he died. Remember. And so to see all these guys, and then finally, it you know, it took a little while, but finally to get you up there and Matthew up there, uh, it was just great. I hope you had an opportunity to really feel the fans that night because they were, at least from what I could hear, they were at the top of their game. They were really grateful to you and, and your staffs, Jim included, uh, for being th- – a part of this community uh, for so long and for doing what you did for the Seahawks. Well, I, <clears throat> I can't tell you how much that meant to me and or my family. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I'd go to games where I see it, Jim's name's up there. There's famous people up there, you know. And I said, how cool would that be? How cool would that be? Yeah. And then when we finally got to do it and then you were the one that, that gave it to me, yeah. you know, because we have a history as well. It was just special. It was really special, and I could feel it from the fans. And this year, I got some tickets for my my one of my grandsons for his birthday. They came to a game, and they sent me an uh, a picture. Uh, one, uh, you know, with everyone's got phones, they can take. I, I have a phone with a camera on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it, <laughs> but and and they were right underneath the 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 Ring of Honor name there, and that that's pretty cool. Yeah. When your grandkids think, uh, look at that's my grandfather. You yeah. Know? So, no, it was special. And you know, Mike's been on this list of Hall of Fame. Yes, uh, I do. Uh, opportunity for coaches, and uh, I, you know, I'm excited because I don't think he's finished yet with any of the football stuff that has gone on over the years because he's uh, been a great coach here, great coach in Green Bay. I'm sure he talked uh, Bill Walsh off the ledge a few times <laughs> uh, in in some of their yeah. plights. But, uh, you know, he's done so much for the National Football League. And a lot of people don't know that he was on the competition committee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I tried my darndest because I knew you, were, you had been on it. I wanted to be on the competition committee because there's too many defensive coaches that have injected their – Will, but I always remember Mike being on the competition committee and trying to keep the integrity of the game, the the game itself. Well, like, what what's this game really all about? And I always felt like he had that in mind, and uh, I think he obviously deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and will be uh, because of some of the you know uh, on the field antics he's had, the successes he's had, but also uh, off the field. Just being able to keep the integrity of the game well, uh, you know, it, he he protects it or he protected it 
while he was there and, uh, you know, well-deserved and will will probably be there at some point. Well, Jim, I appreciate that. I can't tell you how much that means to me. But uh, it was funny, on the competition committee, in those days, you know, Shula was there. Uh, George Young was there, who ran the Giants forever. Uh, they had, they had, and they were, he was the rookie coming in. I'm on the committee for a long time. But I thought that was our job, what you mentioned, the, the integrity of the game between the lines, the football side of it. I think it's changed just a little bit. I remember uh, we'd go to meetings for a couple of weeks someplace and bang out all these things, talk about before you presented it at the league meetings. Mm-hmm. And the commissioner at the time was Paul Tagliabue. He would come um, for three days and sit there and might say say a few things about the European League or something like that. But he, he stayed away for the, the football stuff. And I appreciate that with him. Mm-hmm. And I think now that's not the way it is. Yeah. That's, I think, uh, Commissioner, I think Roger comes in. He did it a little bit when my last couple of years when I was with Cleveland. He'd come to me and say, Mike, I need you to vote this way on this. And I go, Roger, I can't. You mm. know, I can't do it. Mm. And it would be like the Senate, where all of a sudden the guys get in little corners and they start going, well, you vote for this, I'll vote for this. But I couldn't do it. Yeah. And the commissioner now and, and, and other people are really involved in some of the decisions that are being made. And that's, that's, that's a change. But again, listen, for those of you tuned in, I'm old. <laughs> and it was, and I'm, and that was, that's an old coach talking right there. Uh, we've got a minute left. Uh, so I want to give everybody one quick opportunity. Uh, and I'll, I will take the, the bait here and start uh, about the importance of that person beside us who's been with us in all of our lives. For you, it's Joy. For you, it's Kathy. For me, it's Sharon. The, the, uh, how important it is to have that support because what we've all done mean more in the, way more in the broadcast, you guys in the coaching end of things. But it takes a lot of time away from family, the travel mm-hmm. and all that stuff, eating sushi when you don't want sushi for crying out loud. Um, I, I just I, I can't begin to ever thank her enough and what's fun is she's gotten to know Kathy really well. She's gotten to know Joy from back in our days of sure. being kids. And uh, it's great to have those kind of relationships after all these years and all that stuff that's happened over time. Yeah, and they don't even worry about whether they don't see each other or communicate right. because they, they know. know. Exactly. They, they definitely know. And there's uh, the ultimate respect for, especially because Joy was an assistant coach, uh, uh, assistant coach's wife. And she had the ultimate respect for Kathy because she was the head coach's wife. And a lot of the things that she tried to do in uh, Washington when I was the head coach was exactly what Kathy had done and modeled uh, for her. Um, And there's a lot of strong – you have to be independent, I think, to be a a spouse of a football coach. Uh, You have to be strong, uh, capable of handling a lot of things around – uh, the house and outside the house, and then have enough gumption to say, what are you doing, Jim? <laughs> what is this all about uh, when you come home? And uh, I think she's instilled that, not only uh, Joy has instilled that uh, attitude uh, within our, our 
children as well, right. and they're strong yeah. in some of the things that they do. And they say, I don't think anybody wishes the Redskins win, uh, you know, now the commanders, uh, because, hey, you didn't, you know, my dad should still be there. What are you guys talking about? Yeah. You know, and so the the fan... The the fan in them comes out, but the strength comes out right. because of our because right. of our wives. There's no question. The uh, Kathy, I always say this to people: she saved me <laughs> because we've been married now 52 years. Wow, way to go! And uh, I was kind of a knucklehead in college. I was a wild child, and she was the missionary. And fortunately, you know, she married me. That's that's the important part. But you know what? For the story that people might not know, you know, I was a head coach for 25 years in the league. And uh, the first couple of years in Green Bay, on Mondays, she'd get pretty sick, Kathy. And we couldn't figure out what it was. And then she saw somebody, and then that doctor had her see a, a psychologist. And it was the football. She cared so much about it that on Mondays, particularly if we lost the game, she was sat in the stands and all this kind of stuff in Green Bay. And they how do we do this then? I don't want you sick all the time. She goes, and the doctor said, well, you can't watch the games. You can't go. And so for the last 22 years, she was never at a game. And she'd come and sit in our box. She'd come and sit in our box. The players would come on. She'd root them on, yell, and then she'd leave. She'd go get a ferry, go over to Whidbey, go over. In Green Bay, she'd go down to a theater, the only one in the theater, and things like that. So... Uh, she she was been unbelievable that way, but still enjoyed all the stuff. Was firm. Now we sit around and the kids go. Do you remember when so and so did this and so and Kathy goes, yeah, that was so good. And I, I go, when did that happen? And the typical line she says it all the time. Oh, you were at training camp. That's her line. You were at training camp. Yeah, that you missed it. So, mm-hmm. but. Listen, we're all very fortunate. I know both your wives, they're, they're, they're stars, as, as is my young bride. So we're very lucky. Yeah, as you said, we, we outkicked our coverage and then some. I'll just never forget one of the, one of the opening times. Sharon and I, let's see, we, we had just been married like three months, two months. We were playing somebody in the kingdom, preseason game, and I had that collapsed lung. I got mm. thrown off the field. The guy decides to put it, hold the marker up and put his body behind it rather than drop it. So I go flying into this thing, and it hit me in the side, ended up collapsing my lung. So they take me to the hospital. They sent, The Seahawks sent somebody up into the stands to find Sharon, and she was there with her stepdad. So they brought them to the hospital where I was in the process of having a chest tube set when you have a collapsed lung, you know, so they have to kind of cut open between your ribs and all that stuff. So she's walking down the hall, and she hears me scream a couple of really nasty words at the top of my lungs. You? Me. And, uh, and she didn't turn around and leave. And she, she stayed right there with me, and same as Jim, 42 years, uh, we've, been, we've been together, and the same thing, you know, something stupid happens to me, and she's, she's right there. So uh, I, I'm with you guys. We couldn't have done this without them. You know. So, uh, and in fact, I, I left the house today early to come and do this, and Sharon said, you're going to leave early just to go talk to them? I said, well, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. She said, oh, okay, well, tell them hello. So you've been told <laughs> yeah. hello. And for all of you out there, we, we hope you have enjoyed this. I, I know we could sit around, and in fact, I know you guys have had breakfast a couple of times recently, and... For 20 years, you and I have talked about, hey, let's get the gals and we'll go to dinner. We're, we're going to do that. 
or at the very least, I'm going to join you guys for breakfast, and that'll okay. become a breakfast, brunch, lunch, dinner, One midnight time. snack, because we'll just sit around just like this I know. and tell stories. It is terrific. Jim, I get to see you every week. Right on. Michael, it's great to see you again, and I hope to see much more of you as, we, you, have, Steve. as this, we have time. This has been special. Thank you, both of you. Well, we, we have fun doing this, and thanks to all of you out there. We're going to keep doing it, I hope. Uh, NASA, our producer, is shaking his head, so obviously there's seven or eight people who are listening. Uh, not probably our wives, but at some point they hopefully they to won't it. be voting. That's that's right. I don't stand they a chance listen, if they right. vote. Thanks to all of you. We'll see you next time on Seahawk Stories. Uh, this has been one of the great ones right here with Z Man and Mike Holmgren. Take care.